Good morning and welcome to the show on this beautiful, beautiful hump day. Happy Wednesday. We have a fantastic show planned for you as always. Um, we've got a uh, little little visit from uh, our good friend, Dr. James Simmons. He's going to be joining us a little bit later to talk about a really sort of terrifying story, a tale of a man with monkeypox on a subway and uh, oh. what happened when he was approached by a doctor and tried, Michaela's just now learning about this no, story. No, Lisa told me this story a couple days ago. Yeah. And I was shocked. It was terrifying. Yeah, well, it's our topic for What the Hell today. And Dr. James is going to call in and tell us uh, why so much dif- disinformation is being spread about monkeypox and how we can combat that. Obviously, you know, uh, as gay men in particular in our community, we're very much aware of what's going on and trying to do our best. But... What's it all worth if nobody else seems to care or have the information? Uh, So we're going to be talking uh, to Dr. James a little bit later on. Also, Demi Lovato um, has uh, made a major announcement once again. Uh, Is it major? I don't know. You decide for yourself. That's in what's popping a little bit later on. Um, And Republicans getting some backlash over their lack of support for our troops, uh, paying lip service to our troops, pretending like they care, and then being caught on camera fist-pumping each other when they denied them health care coverage uh, to our veterans. Listen, Pretty this story stuff. is so personal to me. Not my family has fought for this country, but my brother is now in the Army, and I feel like it's so crazy to me how careless people... My brother's my favorite person in the whole entire world. Everybody knows that. And to know that he could be treated so disrespectfully Mm -hmm. it's not surprising we see so many of our homeless vets on the corners they're not taken what they're not taken care of um as is oh that story just grossed me out it it really and it's just these young men and women go and serve our country and they risk their lives for our country and then our country can't even give them the decency to actually vote on things that could help them and then not only that to fist pump each other after after you vote no. Yeah. Like as if that's some sort of accomplishment. Uh, we've got a reporter from the Washington Post calling in to talk about the potential backlash. There is an update on that story as well, which we'll have for you in red, white, and Q. Right now, though, it's time for News on the Beat. What do you have? Okay, well, uh, Jim Obergefell, whose landmark case uh, before the U.S. Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage nationally, is hoping he and fellow Democrats can make gains in the Ohio State House this year with a message grounded in equality. It really all just comes down to, can't we all just get along and treat each other like human beings? Can't we be decent people? The celebrity plaintiff turned Ohio House candidate told the Democratic women of Erie County on a recent summer evening, and we all deserve to be part of We the People. Obergefell is unopposed in a primary Tuesday for a state legislative seat representing Ohio's Lake Erie Coast through Ottawa and Erie counties. He's already looking toward a November face-off against second-term Republican Representative DJ Swearingen. All right, another news, YouTube has stopped serving ads on two videos posted by anti-transgender activist Jordan Peterson, in which he deadnamed misgendered Elliot Page and attacked gender-affirming care as Nazi-like, meaning Peterson won't earn money from the videos. However, YouTube continues to allow ads on other videos posted by Peterson, uh, reports Axios, which was the first outlet to cover the story. Peterson is a clinical psychologist in Canada and a professor emeritus at the University of Toronto. He often expresses anti-LGBTQ+, and specifically anti-trans views. Well, he can't monetize, and that's some good news. I guess. All right, let's get into weather. 105 in Dallas this morning, 110 in La Quinta, 
110 in Cathedral City, 87 in Buffalo, 67 in San Francisco, 97 in Houston, 109 in Palm Springs, 84 in LA, 88 in New York, and a high of 104 in Vegas. Now give us a vibe of the day. Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. Uh, Here's an opportunity you could create for yourself. You and one lucky friend could be heading to Orlando, Florida. Let me tell you about it. Uh, So Ben Platt incredibly incredibly talented artist uh he's taking part on his largest american tour to date and you could be there enter for your chance to win round trip airfare for two a two-night hotel stay 200 dollars gift card and two vip tickets to see ben platt in orlando october 6th just head over to wearechannelq.com right now and enter for your chance to win amen good morning beat channel q everybody's gay I'm just going to say it. I know We're it. all a little bit gay, and these stories are not shocking, but they are still so shocking. So this guy, uh, he's a young man. Uh, this is actually in Australia. He's 27 years old. And he's scrolling through Grinder one day, and he comes across a torso that looks like kind of familiar, and it's odd. And then he's like, wait, that kind of looks like my parents' closet. And he zooms in, and he's like, no way. That what that can't be my dad no possible way his parents have been married for 20 30 years over 30 years right and so he starts flirting with the guy on grinder just to see what he'll say so he can get him to send over uh... a face pic the guy sends a facebook it is his father so he's losing his mind and now he's stuck with this dilemma uh, what do I do? Do I confront my dad? Oh my god! Or do I go talk to my mom first? Which is the move? Because you never know what people have going on in their relationships. Maybe they're maybe they're okay with it. Maybe the mom knows. You never, never. But also, she could be lied to. To make matters worse, years before when he came out to his dad, his dad cut him out of his life for a time and said, "I can't. This lifestyle is horrible. You're disgusting. I don't want to have anything to do with you for being gay." Turns out the dad also very much into men. What do you do? Uh, you know, I feel so bad, but I think this is a very common story. Absolutely. A lot of people said the same thing in the responses. Yep. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times parents, particularly fathers, have been rude to their children because there's a lot of suppressed um, desire to be gay. Even when <clears throat> my mom uh, was with women... She, when I came, I didn't come out to her, but I definitely like introduced Lisa. She was very like spiteful with me and I didn't understand why, but I think that there's also a bit of jealousy with being able to watch your children live their truth, maybe Mm -hmm. during a time when you were unable to. So what do you do when you're jealous? You like put somebody down or tell them it's gross or make them feel bad the way that like you feel bad about yourself. And it's really just sad. And this is like not the way you want to find out. Yeah. It's interesting because on one hand, you know, whether, whether it's a, a, a quote unquote straight person who is you know homophobic because they never got to live that dream and they they somehow subconsciously hate you for it or hate our generation for it or I've I've run into older gay men too who were very very catty and very unkind to me 
I think probably because I'm younger and I got I got to reap the benefits of all the things they worked so hard for. And I understand how that could cause some bitterness. I get it. That's why we have bitter old queens. I, I, and I am one sometimes. I understand it. I look at 20-year-olds now and I'm like, God, you have it so easy. You, have, know, no, I, you have no idea. And I hear it happening to myself. So I understand it. I've also dealt with a similar situation uh, without going into any detail. My own father, uh, apparently in the 1970s, had, had a moment uh, that uh, that I later found out about. And he was very, very anti-gay for decades. And that was 40-some years ago. He did have a full circle moment finally at our wedding mm. where he just broke down in tears. Was the first person to stand up and applaud when we kissed, uh, you know, when we were announced husband and husband. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's hope. But I think that... We got there by having some really tough conversations. I think that this young man needs to go talk to his dad, man to man. I think yeah. he needs. I think he needs to not not be uh, accusatory, but say, "Listen, Dad, I know this is you. You've been talking to me. Also, you're lying to Mom, and you have issues with my sexuality. I think you need to look into your own stuff and figure that out." Because he says he's like, "I don't care if my dad's gay. I don't care at all." Yeah. I care that he's lying to my mom. And that he's criticizing, yes. you know, all of these other people when he's really just, like, living in the dark. Isn't it so funny? Like, the, the people who are usually the loudest against us always end up having something in their closet that they do not want you to know about. So they try to deflect and point the finger at us as if we're the problem. Oh, yeah. We're absolutely. Just, we're just living our lives. All right. This story is something, again, with our community. Demi Lovato is coming out saying that they will be adopting she or her pronouns, but some people are finding it quite problematic. We'll tell you our feelings about it coming up in What's Poppin'. The Morning Beat with AJ Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q. She's an enigma wrapped in a riddle wrapped in who knows what. And I said she and I meant she. We're talking Demi Lovato. Mm-hmm. What's going on? What's poppin'? All right. Well, while promoting her forthcoming album... Uh, she addressed her gender pronouns. She said, I've actually adopted the pronouns of she, her again. Lovato said on Monday's episode of the Spout podcast, confirming news from April. So for me, I'm such a fluid person that I don't really, I don't find that I am, I felt like, especially last year, my energy was balanced and my masculine and feminine energy so that when I was faced with the choice of walking into a bathroom and it said women and men, I didn't feel like there was a bathroom for me because I didn't feel necessarily like a woman. I didn't feel like a man. I just felt like a human. And that's why they, them is about for me. It's just about like feeling human at your core. Then she goes on to say, over the past year and a half, I've been doing some healing and self-reflective work. And through this, I've had the revelation that I identify as non-binary. With that said, I'll be changing my pronouns to they, them. This was said in May. But now she's saying, recently I've been feeling more feminine, so I've adopted she, her again. And people are not taking this well, particularly in our community. A lot of people find it very irresponsible um, and sort of making it what Republicans often say is like a joke. Uh, What do you think? I think she's crazy. (laughs) <laughs> like, I hate that word. I don't want to use that word. I, I, I should use another word. I think that she is just, just, I, I, I can't relate to Demi Lovato at all. At all. I think it's, I think it's rude. I think that this might be your, your truth, your journey. That's fine. Don't make these broad proclamations all the time because you're coming from such a place of privilege. Yes. When those who actually truly, genuinely are non-binary or trans and, 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 and being attacked and being targeted 
um, and you're just kind of casually changing up your pronouns. And it always seems to be whenever she has a new album coming out or a tour or something interesting that she needs to promote, and it feels very self-serving. This is also the same the same woman who got into a beef with a local frozen yogurt shop last year oh and dragged God. them for saying they had healthy products and they said it was harmful messaging because they had uh, sugar-free cookies. And it triggered her, she said. I think this is what happens <laughs> when you make people who have unhealed, uh, you know, uh, trauma. Yeah, I'll she, just well, say she's that. she's got a history Famous. of drug and alcohol abuse and addiction and <clears throat> yeah. struggles. Yeah, I think it's a really poor message to send on behalf of our community. I don't support this at I also all. know a few people who've worked with her on projects over the years and say she's absolutely a disaster to work with. Like, just unbearable to work with. So you hear enough of these stories and you have to start to believe some of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, she's got a great voice. I think as a performer, she's okay. There's nothing about her that's like, wow, I, I can't imagine a world where I don't get to listen to Demi Lovato. I was such a big fan of Demi. I actually loved her. I loved her performance, her voice. But I love now, Sorry Not Sorry. I just, yeah, yeah. That's a but good one. Skyscraper, like I thought she was having this big comeback. But it's just too messy, and it's it like you said, it's just coming from such a pra- a place of privilege. Well, it feels like, and this is why I think people have an issue with non-binary sometimes. Those who actually are not are just claiming non-binary as this new title, because I think for a lot of people, especially in the entertainment industry, it's an easy way to be like, listen, I am I'm different too, yeah, and you should support me. And but nothing about me is actually really changing. Right. Like if I were to say tomorrow, like I think I'm non-binary, my pronouns are he, him, or he, they. Like what does that change? What's really changed? Mm-hmm. Have I helped anybody other than just myself by maybe making you know getting a headline? So it just feels a little bit disingenuous to me. Yeah, it's weird. All right, coming up in the next hour, some adults would want to go back to college or change their careers altogether. We're going to talk about why coming up in the next hour. Good morning, Beat. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. We have a fantastic hour coming up for you this hour on the show. We've got uh, Red, White, and Q. Uh, We're talking to a reporter from the Washington Post about the Republican Party and how they were caught red-handed just the other day fist-bumping each other when they shot down the PACT Act which would have given uh, medical services to our veterans uh, who are suffering from uh, serving in wartime and burn pits, all sorts of stuff. It's really, really terrible. And we have an update on that, but we're also talking to a reporter to find out what sort of blowback the Republican Party could face because they paint themselves as like the party of like the family values, yet their last president cheated on wife one with two and two with three. They, they paint themselves as for our troops, yet here they are caught on camera, unbeknownst to them, fist-pumping each other because they kept money from veterans. It's just, it's so it's so hypocritical. I In no way do I think the Democratic Party is, like, above, like, anything. But but this is just gross. Yeah. It's just gross. I agree. So I can't wait to have this conversation in red, white, and queue. If you're interested, join us for that as well. Also, some adults want to go back to college. But the reason might surprise you. We're talking about that in 12 minutes. Uh, I've thought about this over the years. I'm like, oh, I could go get my master's. I have friends who just seem to always go to college. For like th- throughout their 30s, they just kept going back to school. I'm like, what, what's the goal? What's the end 
you know, the end game. Yeah. As I still pay off my student Listen, loans. Listen, my dad went back to college in his 60s. He just graduated, and I'm I'm actually very proud of him. I also took Lisa to her college campus for her birthday this last month, and I decided that I wish <laughs> I would have gone to college. The experience, everything, I love it. Yeah, you would have lived your best life. Yeah, I would. College yeah, was fun. I went to a little, a little small, tiny school in the Midwest called the Ohio State University. I know. Fifty-five thousand students, and we were all out of control. Oof. Every last one of us. I love it. There's some great gay bars in Columbus, Ohio, though. Axis Nightclub. I'm talking to you. <laughs> if you're from the Midwest, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right now, though, it's time for some news on the beat. What do you have for us? All right, people. A private Christian university in Seattle is being investigated by the state of Washington over an anti-LGBTQ hiring policy that has prompted months of campus turmoil. State Attorney General Bob Ferguson released a statement Friday confirming his office sent a letter to Seattle Pacific University in early June seeking information regarding its alleged discrimination against LGBTQ. LGBTQ staff members through its employee lifestyle expectations policy. Now, the policy requires staffers to refrain from cohabitation, extramarital sexual activity, and same-sex sexual activity, and those who violate it face disciplinary action, including the possibility of employment termination. All right, in other news, President Joe Biden on Tuesday formally named Robert Fenton as the White House's National Monkeypox Response Coordinator. Fenton, a regional federal emergency management agency administrator who oversees Arizona, California, Hawaii, and Nevada, will coordinate the federal government's response to the outbreak. Uh, while Dr. Dimitri Descolicus, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's director of the Division of HIV AIDS Prevention, will serve as the deputy coordinator. What was that doctor's name again? Uh, Descolicus. Descolicus. Who knows? Sounds Greek, perhaps. I know, it does. Yeah. The Greek guy. Uh, The first U.S. monkeypox case in this outbreak was confirmed May 17th. And the virus has spread rapidly to reach more than 5,800 probable or confirmed cases. Yikes. All right, let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 104 today in Dallas, 110 in La Quinta, 109 in Cathedral City, 88 in Buffalo, 69 in San Francisco, 88 in Miami, 96 in Houston, 109 in Palm Springs, 85 in L.A., 88 in New York. Now, give us a vibe of the day, please. Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. And you have an opportunity right now to create a really cool memory with a friend or family member. All you have to do is head over to wearechannelq.com. And this is what you could win. Uh, Round trip airfare for two. A two-night hotel stay. $200 gift card. Two VIP tickets. Too good to be true? No, it's actually an opportunity to see Ben Platt in Orlando. On October 6th, you got some time to plan, you got some time to win, but you have to head over to wearechannelq.com for your chance to win. And then after you enter, listen to some of our old podcasts, read our old stories, uh, watch some of our celebrity interviews, all kinds of fun content at wearechannelq.com. Tell your friends and family. Absolutely. All right, coming up, some adults would want to go back to college or change their careers all together. Would you want to do the same? We're going to talk about it in seven minutes. Be Channel Q. According to a recent one poll survey, 73% of adults think that college 
is important to educate people about life beyond the classroom. Uh, however, a large number of the same adults would go back and do it all over again if they were given the opportunity. This is a poll of 2,000 people who've gone to college. Now, one of us, two of us, you, you, did you go to college, Vanessa? You went to college. You studied college. Uh, yeah, I went to college. Broadcast journalism in college. I have a communications degree uh, in, in, from journalism in college. McKaylee, your college was American Idol. Amen. So you had a different life experience. Yes. But one of the things that stands out is that a lot of people are saying it's the life experience, three quarters that you actually gain from your college uh, time that's the most valuable. However, um, I think up to like 40 to 45% of people said that they would love to go back and learn additional life skills like banking and time management, which they feel like they did not get enough of while they were taking their women's women's studies and, and, and film critique courses in college. What I think I took swimming in college at one point, and I was a swimmer for 15 years. I took a swimming class. Yeah. My husband took a camping class. So there's more to college than just the books. Uh, but if you were to go to college, what would you hope to take away from it? You know, I don't know. This recently came up in my family. My dad is in his 60s, and he wanted to go to college uh, with music theory as his major. He did, and he graduated, and I was so proud of him. But I think that that's the beauty of getting older. You know, when you're like in your 20s, early 20s, late teens, you look at college as like a party, your first time away from your family, whatever that looks like, because mm -hmm. I don't know that experience. But I think that as you get older, it really is true, like the youth is wasted on the young, because there's a lot of things that I probably would have liked to have learned today, like that I think are really fascinating. I would have loved to have um, majored in music theory and, and probably learned how to read music, all things that like I do on my own today that could have been facilitated in college. And so I feel like, yeah, if you want to go back for an education, it's super important. I think it'd be really great. Well, I learned how to shotgun a beer at Ohio State University. Yes. I also learned how to do uh, take a beer from a beer bong from the uh, upstairs to the basement. Uh, there was a party I went to a couple different times. I've been to many of these where they actually cut a hole in the floor and put a beer bong all the way down to the basement, and that's really a blast. Don't recommend it. Amen. Um, but, but if I were to go back to college, I wish – like I have a communications degree, right? You would think well, that would prepare me for my, for my career, right? In no way, shape, or form. I didn't even learn how to edit videos in college. Hmm. Like we were just sort of learning about PowerPoint presentations in college. It was like just starting to become a thing. When I was in high school, we were still, you know, teachers were still using that projector screen with that, that cellophane clear sheet and they would write erasable marker on it and project it up on the oh, wall. You know yeah, what I'm talking about? Totally. That they've been using for 50 years. Yes. That's still how I was learning. Yeah. So things started to transition while I was in college. And I feel like professors didn't really know how to... They weren't on top of the technology just yet. It was starting to happen. Although I was in college for six and a half years, so I gave them a lot of opportunities to advance. Um, but yeah, I, there's something about... Listen, I don't like the student loans of it all. No, my husband's no, no. Uh, My husband's old... Uh, a friend of his who's like a teacher or a professor now just said that they had their student loans forgiven. And it was $412,000. Oh $412,000 in student loans to be a teacher? I have a friend, a, over almost a half a million dollars. I have a friend who's an attorney who has $250,000 in student loans, and it's like, it is what it is. And I'm like, ugh. So mine's nothing near those numbers, but student loans are insane. I will say, though, for me, what I learned in college was how to be like a human. 
I learned to be around different types of people. I grew up in a town where I met my first black person when I was 18 years old, I think. Like, just never. It's a very small, very white, very Republican town. So I think for a lot of people, college is about the growth you experience, not necessarily um, the book smarts you might get. If you could go back, Vanessa, and redo one thing about your college experience, what do you think it would be? I loved where I went to college. I went to college in San Francisco. Shout out to Academy of University. I I don't know. I really liked, I loved my college and I like, like yours. I actually had to like do production classes. We would come up with shows. Like it was like work, oh, that's so but fun. like for school. Yeah. So I, I honestly wouldn't change it because I loved it so much. And I loved that my school was all over the city. Yeah. So we would walk to like the next building and the next. So like it wasn't like a contained campus. It was like it wasn't. spread out. I guess that would, would be the thing that I would change. I would want to go to a campus where it's like up close. But I, then also I love how mine was in the city. It felt like sex in the city for college. Oh, that is kind of so cool. Fun. I will say Ohio State has one of the most gorgeous college campuses I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, it's beautiful. The buildings they have a, they have a cool section on the center, the original center of the university before it expanded over a hundred years, um, called the Oval, and that's where people sort of congregate in this huge like green grass area, and it's surrounded by the original buildings. One at one end is is the main library, the other end is the student union, and then all these buildings. And they've written into their bylaws at Ohio State that none of those buildings can ever be knocked down, ever. Oh, that's ever. amazing. So what they do is they've got these buildings that are 100 to 150 years old, these big stone structures, and they gut them. They take out the floors, every single thing inside, and they keep up four walls. They take off the roof and everything. The four walls stay, and they build brand new state-of-the-art buildings inside. So from the outside, they look like these really old buildings, oh, really nice. and you go inside; it's brand new. Beautiful. So they kind of like maintain the 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 you know the architecture of it all. But yeah, I would definitely so go. Nice. I would go back to college for like a week or two. That'd be fun. Yeah. You well, if you're thinking about going, go back. Well, now that I know it's about life experience, I moved to LA at 16 by myself. I was doing. You got lots of life experience. Yeah, I guess I've missed nothing, so that's how I feel. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. I am American, American, it's time for another round of Red, White, and Q. This time we're talking about the somehow controversial PACT Act that did not pass the Senate last week. There is an update on that, though, this week. Uh, as Republicans get busted, high-fiving and high-fist-pumping each other when they voted against providing services to our military veterans, right? Uh, It's a very controversial topic, especially from a party that that touts themselves as pro-military in every way, shape, and form. So understandably, a lot of people are upset that VFW came out and spoke out against them. Here to help us make sense of it all, though, is Maria Luisa Powell, who is a Morning Mix reporter at the Washington Post. Maria, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Maria. Um, thank you for having me. For those of our listeners who don't know where it stands currently, what's actually going on with the PACT Act, and why has this been so controversial? Well, it was actually voted on last night, and it finally passed, but this was just six days of protest of veterans standing outside of the Capitol stairs, um, just begging for the Republicans to listen to them and to change their vote. Because this was a bill that originally passed through the Senate on June. And there were some technical changes that were made in the House. 
so there has to be another vote last week. And everyone just thought that it would be something that had so much bipartisan support that this was just a technicality, that it would fly by. Mm -hmm. But out of nowhere, uh, 25 Republicans changed their votes. And the final tally made it so um, it was five votes short of passing through the filibuster. So now, Maria, got, well, my brother just left for the army, so it's very sensitive to me. I know that our listeners, uh, even in this room, we all have people that have fought for us. So I don't want to give the Republicans benefit of the doubt, but I have to ask, like, there has to be some sort of reason that they didn't want to pass this because anything else would just be completely disgusting and inhumane. I mean, at this point, it's speculation, but the timing in which they decided to reverse their votes is a little bit fishy just because it was right after the Democrats announced that they would be able to pass their their climate and uh, their climate package and they have gotten like all these different victories in congress so the fact that they chose to reverse their bill uh, their vote right before uh, right after this you know it, it has raised a lot of suspicions and a lot of anger as well what have you heard about but people, the, well, we, like the suspicion and the anger of it all people reacting to seeing the group of senators republican senators fist pumping each other after they shut it down last week that that video went viral and people really had a reaction to it. Do you think it's going to take more things like those moments to get people actively engaged in the political process again and to hold our elected officials accountable? I mean, you, the reason why this ended up passing, I think, is a lot of the public pressure that came for it, because this was actually something that was meant to be bipartisan. You know, it's, it's military service. It's not something that goes um, in one party line or the other. And the fact that John Stewart was there, the fact that these military families, veterans and advocates were there, that put a lot of pressure. And it just looked like something that, you know, it was just a very awkward timing for them to do this. And their argument was essentially an accounting provision. So it really seemed like there couldn't be a worse time for them to do it. Well, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you pay closer attention than I do, I'm sure, but uh, it sounds like Democrats are starting to get on a roll. They're starting to have some victories after a few really rough months for Joe Biden and his administration. The midterms are right around the corner, and they wanted to hold off and not vote on this right now, or at least hold it back for now to not give Democrats another victory, which could then help their chances in the midterms. Am, am, I, am I on to anything there? That is the argument that some Democrat senators have been given. And honestly, it's something that the veterans that were at the Capitol believe. Mm. Oh. It's just so unfortunate. So where we're at right now is the bill has been passed. Um, there were quite a few celebrities that also uh, stood up to make sure that that would happen where do we stand now as far as the Republican Party? Is this something that they can overturn as we've seen Roe v. Wade? Or do we feel like our vets will now be taken care of? At least at the moment right now, it seems like veterans will definitely be taken care of, especially because um, part of the funding for this is going to go under mandatory uh, under the mandatory budget, which means that this, you know, is part of the law. It cannot be changed on a yearly, yearly basis, which was what um, initially a group of Republicans were asking for, for it to become discretionary spending.
Yeah. Um, so for now, it looks like it's settled. That's really what I mean. I think John Stewart articulated that point so well in his viral video talking about mandatory versus discretionary spending and how it was completely a lie coming from the Republican Party just to try to like to stall and, and to take a victory away from Democrats. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're really just taking away health care that that is very needed for our for our veterans. Uh, thank you so much, Maria, for joining us and helping you, us Maria. understand this conversation. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right. Coming up, Eldon John is accusing an A-list celebrity, a pop culture phenom, of being very disturbing to be around. Find out who he's talking about. Coming up and what's popping. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. It's almost time for another round of What's Poppin'. And by almost time, I mean it actually is time. Uh, And this one's really interesting, Michaela. What do you have for us? All right, so after over half a century of musical superstardom, Sir Elton John has got nothing to lose by being frank about his feelings, and that's what he's doing in his new autobiography, Me, Elton John. It's filled with shocking revelations about his life in show business. Among those revelations are his comments about the late Michael Jackson, whom he calls mentally ill, a disturbing person to be around. He said, I'd known Michael since he was 13 or 14. He was just the most adorable kid you could imagine. But at some point in the intervening years, he started sequestering himself away from the world and away from reality, the way Elvis Presley did. He goes on to say, God knows what was going on in his head and God knows what prescription drugs he was being pumped full of. But every time I saw him in his later years, I came away thinking that the poor guy had totally lost his marbles. I don't mean that in a lighthearted way. He was genuinely mentally ill and a disturbing person to be around. Mm. And if you think he's just uh, going after Michael Jackson, he's not. He talks about his amazing relationship with Princess Diana and how Sylvester Stallone and Richard Gere almost came to blows as they competed for her affections. Also, his feud with Tina Turner, his relationship with Queen Elizabeth. So he doesn't target Michael Jackson. He just happens to be somebody that comes up in his book. Um, And I I don't think he's shading him at all. I think that he's saying from his perspective he loved Michael a lot and he noticed some severe mental issues happening later on. Mm -hmm. He said that his love for children was odd to him because he couldn't keep himself around adult company. Um, It's tough. Something interesting happens when I talked to a friend about this. Uh, My friend is a therapist and she said when people have... Uh, sexual or or traumatic experiences abuse as children oftentimes mentally they stay at that point for the rest of their lives and unless they get help they don't know how to move past it so I think Michael Jackson as odd and strange as a lot of those relationships seemed felt more comfortable around children because he wasn't well enough to to actively participate in adult life right unfortunately right the word ill mentally ill is a little triggering for me because Elton John is not a doctor or a licensed therapist, but mentally unwell, I think, for me, would sit a little bit better. Um, and I, it's unfortunate. Like, we've, we we see this with a lot of major, major celebrities who just can't handle it. 
Amy Winehouse or Heath Ledger or, you know, uh, well, Robin Williams. Well, I mean, Williams. look at the paparazzi. Yes. Look at the things yes. that they did not sign up for. And 13, 14 years old, that's when people got to know Michael Jackson. You think about yourself at 11 years old. Could you handle that? No and way. that wasn't his choice. No way. That was his father's choice. He really pushed those kids into the business. And he was so successful that he had to continue maintaining that. And so I just, it always upsets me when people have anything to say about celebrities because the people that have something to say could never live the life they lived. And it wasn't a fair life. I just watched the Amy Winehouse documentary. Mm. The way the paparazzi hounded her, called her a drug addict, made fun of her for looking like oh, a horse. Oh, there's blood on their hands for sure. A million percent. And I, and I think it's interesting because Elton John is one of the few people in the world on that level who can speak to the experience of being... You know, not just friends with Lady or Princess Diana or like Michael Jackson, but knows intimately what it's like to be that famous. Right. And and we're lucky that we still have Elton John, to be honest, as yeah. a queer man who made yes. it through that era. He, he also could have gone the way of Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson very easily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, coming up in the next hour, what the health? People discriminating over monkeypox, but what should you really know? Find out also a horrible story that happened on the subway with a man with monkeypox. Coming up in the next hour. Good morning, B. Channel Q. Monkeypox, monkeypox, monkeypox. We keep talking about it because it's important and because until recently, a lot of our elected officials weren't really talking about it, right? Joe Biden just uh, took a major turn uh, and in and, and a good way that we're going to tell you about here in a moment. Also coming up in about 12 minutes, we're going to be joined by Dr. James Simmons uh, to actually talk about uh, monkeypox. Uh, and there was a situation on a subway where a doctor saw a man visibly was covered head to toe in monkeypox. Tried to talk to the man, didn't go so well. Tried to talk to the people sitting around the man on the subway, and you'll never believe how they reacted. Uh, we're going to break it all down with Dr. James Simmons and talk about how we need to stay safe as a community uh, coming up here in just a little bit and what the health. Right now, though, it's time for News on the Beat. Michaela, what do you have for us? Okay, babe. Well, uh, YouTube has stopped serving ads on two videos posted by anti-transgender activist Jordan Peterson in which he deadnamed misgendered Elliot Page and attacked gender-affirming care as Nazi-like, meaning Peterson won't earn money from the videos. However, YouTube continues to allow ads on other videos posted by Peterson, reports Axios, which was the first outlet to cover the story. Peterson is a clinical psychologist in Canada and a professor emeritus at the University of Toronto. He often expresses anti-LGBTQ plus and specifically anti-trans views. Not surprised. Uh, All right. In other news, a private Christian university in Seattle is being investigated by the state of Washington over an anti-LGBTQ hiring policy that has prompted months of campus turmoil. State Attorney General Bob Ferguson released a statement Friday confirming his office sent a letter to Seattle Pacific University in early June seeking information regarding its alleged discrimination against LGBTQ staff members through its employee lifestyle expectations policy. The policy requires staffers to refrain from cohabitation, extramarital sexual activity, and same-sex sexual activity, and those who violate it face disciplinary action, including the possibility of employment termination. Um, All right, one more news story. President Joe Biden on Tuesday formally named Robert Fenton as the White House's National Monkeypox Response Coordinator. Fenton, a regional federal emergency management agency administrator who oversees Arizona, California, Hawaii, and Nevada, will coordinate the federal government's response to the outbreak. 
uh, while Dr. Dimitri, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Direction of the Division of HIV AIDS Prevention, will serve as the deputy coordinator. Dr. Dimitri, well done. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, Joe Biden taking this action this quickly uh, could have been quicker, and people are a little frustrated with that. But also, we look back, uh, and this is not the same, obviously. Monkeypox is not an STI. It is not um, on the same level currently as the HIV-AIDS pandemic. But Ronald Reagan took him about five years to even say the word, say HIV uh, publicly. So Joe Biden is taking action. We're we're grateful for it. We need more vaccines. Yeah. Vaccines need to be readily available. Yeah, totally true. We've got a story about monkeypox coming up in just a little bit with Dr. James Simmons. It's going to blow your mind. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be great. All right, uh, let's get into weather. 86 in LA, 105 in Vegas, 109 in Palm Springs, 96 in Houston, 89 in Miami, 68 in San Francisco, 88 in Atlanta, 93 in Cleveland, 110 in Cathedral City, 105 in Dallas... They give us a vibe of the day. Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. Here's an opportunity to create a really fun memory with a friend or family member. If you head over to wearechannelq.com right now and enter for your chance to win, uh, you could win tickets to see Ben Platt during his North American tour in Orlando, Florida. How are you going to get there? How are you going to get into the show? Well, we've got you covered. Uh, you could win a round-trip airfare for two, a two-night hotel stay, gift card and two VIP tickets to see Ben Platt in Orlando October 6th. Orlando's fun. It's sort of like uh, a Las Vegas vibe, but in a tropical theme park area. Yes. It's a fantastic, fantastic city, uh, and you could be heading there in October. Head over to wearechannelq.com right now for your chance to win. I will warn you, it rains every day for about 20 minutes at 2 p.m. Every single day. Yeah, it does. The sky turns black. The heavens just pour down rain for 20 minutes, and then there's rainbows again. Yeah. That's Orlando in a nutshell. It's beautiful. It's perfect. All right, coming up, uh, we're joined with Dr. James Simmons. A man with monkeypox was found on the subway. You won't believe his response and what you need to know. Coming up in seven minutes. Good morning, Beat. Channel Q. You know what that sound means. It's time for another round of What the Health with Dr. James Simmons. Dr. James, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know you've been talking about it a lot on your TikTok, on your Instagram. If you don't follow Dr. James, follow him at AskTheNP. Your content is fantastic. Uh, Trying to get the information out about monkeypox. And let let me just set the scene for you. There is a subway in Madrid, Spain. And there's a doctor on this, a very packed subway. He sees a man sitting down covered head to toe in monkeypox, the active infection, right? Ugh. And uh, goes over to the man and says, excuse me, sir, you you have monkeypox. You shouldn't be on the subway. The guy says, oh, my doctor said if I wear a mask, it's fine. The man says, it's actually the lesions that are very, very contagious. This is not okay. The man ignores him. So then the doctor says, okay, I'm going to be a Karen. He called himself a Karen. He's like, I'm going to be a Karen mm. and talk to the people around this man right now and say, Hey, this man is actively infected with monkeypox right now. You should probably just, you know, move away a little bit just to be safe. And a woman yells out, I don't care. That's a gay thing or something like that. She makes a slur that it's just gay men getting it. What sort of misinformation are you seeing out there? And what do people need to know about the seriousness of monkeypox? Oh, man. (laughs) The misinformation is is really prevalent. And it. Interestingly, it's maybe not fully intentional. 
So I think what's happening a lot and what I'm seeing on, on social media, because I'm li- quite literally getting hundreds and hundreds of comments on, on every post about this, what people hear through their own lens and people hear kind of what they want to hear and through their lived experience. And so for like me as a, as a man who identifies as queer but generally gay for ease of conversation, as a gay man, when I hear a public health official talk about something being uh, primarily impacting the gay community – having lived through the tail end of the worst of the HIV pandemic and we're still all living through it right now, I get really triggered, right? So people who who don't have maybe that type of lived experience, what they hear when a public health official, very well-meaning, says this is primarily impacting gay men or men who have sex with men, people tune out before they hear the however anyone can get monkeypox, right? And so I think what's happening here is that People are not fully paying attention to, you guys know I love these words, the complications and the nuance of this entire scenario. So for those listening, clearly we have a a primarily queer audience, but for everyone listening, anyone can get monkeypox, right? This thing has been completely bungled from the beginning. As a public health response, we have not learned from COVID. We have not learned from other you know, diseases that we have essentially eradicated, things like polio, which is back, which is something we'll talk about again soon. But anyone can get monkeypox. The, the fact that that guy said his doctor told him just to wear a mask and that he was fine completely ignores the fact that the primary mode of transmission of monkeypox is prolonged skin-to-skin contact. The two other ways are prolonged contact with a contaminated source. So generally, we think of like bedding or towels that someone with monkeypox has used. But we do find evidence of monkeypox remaining on surfaces for a very long time, up to two weeks if they have not been disinfected. And exposure through prolonged, and by prolonged, I mean minutes upon minutes, like 15 minutes of someone talking in your face and their respiratory droplets getting inside of you, okay? So skin-to-skin contact, contact with, uh, prolonged contact with contaminated sources, and prolonged respiratory droplets. So this man had completely horrible advice or was making it up. Either way, I guarantee you he probably spread monkeypox to other people on that train, which is why this poor doctor was so frustrated. Mm. Well, that's what's so crazy, Dr. James Simmons. I feel like we're all trying to be accountable, but where we're like getting lost is that people still are just so careless, whether it be that they're just tired of the pandemic and they're sick of it or, or what. Uh, what are some things that, that people can do just on their own to ensure their own safety? Like top three tips. So I would absolutely say top three things. So I'm going to speak to our community a little bit at first, at least the community of men who have sex with men, who right now, unfortunately, are the only folks who are really uh, eligible for the monkeypox vaccine here in the United States. Um, There's two types of vaccines. The primary one that we're giving out is called Geneos, and it's a very good vaccine. Um, Generally speaking, if you are a man who has sex with uh, men or you have a confirmed positive contact with someone who has had monkeypox, or you have a confirmed diagnosis of monkeypox yourself, if you are taking oral HIV prophylaxis, PrEP, um, or if you are someone who is, uh, has like a high-risk uh, employment status, so like you're a sex worker, those are sort of the five qualifications that you need to get the vaccine. We have a bunch of vaccines right now, but we're running out very quickly. We're supposed to get about 786,000 more of them in the coming weeks, but we are about to enter into a lull in the United States of vaccines, meaning we are not going to have a bunch of vaccines for a few weeks until this next shipment from Denmark shows up. So in the meantime, 
I, it, this is really important for you to sort of, particularly if you're going to have a sexual contact, not that this is an STI, it's not. But what happens during sex? Prolonged skin-to-skin contact, right? So if you're going to have contact with someone, ask them. <laughs> have you been in contact with someone who you know might have monkeypox? Do you have any lesions on your body that you think might be like a weird pimple? Or you're like, huh, I wonder if I have herpes or anything like that. Because what we're seeing in this particular outbreak, unlike the guy on the train who it sounds like he had uh, lesions all over his body, he had the pox everywhere. What we're seeing in this outbreak is that a lot of people are only getting like three or four lesions. Mm. And sometimes they're in places they can't uh, always see. Sometimes they're on their back. Sometimes they're in their genital anal region. And they can't really see them, but those lesions are ever bit as contagious, and that person is still ever bit as contagious. So for now, honestly, I am. when people ask me privately, um, I am counseling people, like, now's not the time to go to that sex party. Now's not the time to go to that rave or that big dance party. Now's not the time to have multiple, um, you know, anonymous sex partners that you you can't have sort of a robust conversation with them about you, both of your risk profiles. I know that sounds, it's that's going to be really triggering for a lot of people and sort of really stigmatizing in certain ways, but I also think that multiple truths can exist simultaneously. We've had a public health system that has failed us uh, as a community and, and sort of globally right now for a lot of different reasons. And so some of the onus has to be on ourselves to protect ourselves. So get vaccinated if you can, um, and then back off of your, your opportunities for exposure. Mm. Dr. James Simmons, thank you so much for joining us. For what the health, we appreciate you. Thanks, y'all. All right, coming up, thanks to this new TikTok trend, it's reminding you just how nothing matters and it's quite comforting we've got it for you coming up next the morning beat with aj gibson and michaela gordon channel q all right so social media trends can be a bit of a mixed bag sometimes they're ridiculous sometimes they're just just there to entertain you uh, sometimes they're a little bit frustrating but there's one going around on tiktok right now that i'm low-key in love with it's called hashtag floating rock uh and and it started by a, a woman who was talking about, uh, she talks about her life and like her yoga practice on her TikTok. Her name's Victorian. Uh, and she shared a video of herself floating in the ocean with the quote, feeling self-conscious in my bathing suit after reading my DMs. If you've ever posted on social media, you can relate, right? We all like, literally this morning, I woke up with prayers from my mother-in-law, from her and her friends, because my husband posted something on TikTok a day or two ago about all the hateful messages we've gotten uh, for being uh, a same-sex couple and about our marriage, right? By and large, they're mostly positive, but the negative ones kind of stand out. Well, maybe we shouldn't pay any attention. Uh, we should we should actually get in on this trend because this video then, as she's literally floating in the ocean in a bikini, the video zooms out. And first you see a shot of the entire planet, and then it zooms out even further to show how tiny our planet is in the context of the solar system and then the cosmos. And the caption reads, truly nothing matters less than cellulite on my butt of a random, the cellulite on the butt of a random creature on a random floating rock in a random galaxy. Point being, nothing really matters. Listen to me, I love these kind of things. I will say everyone knows that I've been doing ketamine treatments and uh, it's just been really, really impactful for me, for any anxiety and depression I have. And I remember the first time I did the ketamine treatment and I really did experience for the first time like, 
oh my God, there's so much world and life mm. and space and all of these things that have nothing to do with what I'm doing. And like our day to days seem so important and literally like none of it matters. And I, I always go back to like when you talk to older people and you're like, well, what would you have done differently? And they're like, I would have enjoyed everything. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have worked hard. I wouldn't have cared about these things. It goes by so fast. And so I love these kind of TikTok trends because it's so true. I mean, we're a very, very small particle uh in comparison to like the entire universe. Well, I think something happens as you go through life where for all of us to some degree, we become the center of our own universe, right? For most people, whether you mean to or not, it's not necessarily like uh, a selfish thing or a self-centered ego thing. Well, it is ego, but maybe some healthy ego and some unhealthy ego, but we all sort of center ourselves in the universe and think that how are all of these things impacting me? Like, why do I have to deal with all of these things? When in reality, when you, that, that feeling you get when you go on vacation, you know, when you like don't check your phone all day long, you don't bring a laptop with you, and you're just like it. floating in the ocean or it's like walking through a jungle, like zip lining, like what we did down in Puerto Vallarta. Those moments feel the most natural to us. Why? Because we disconnect and realize we're just part of a bigger system and none of it really, really matters. We literally are all on a floating rock spinning through outer space at a gajillion miles an hour and we don't mean a thing to anybody like Nothing. like you know what i mean so so just enjoy your life and, and nobody's looking at the cellulite on your booty in a photo and if they are who cares you don't need that person to support whoever it is that you want to be in the world absolutely um so i, I love this trend i think it's fantastic definitely all right coming up we did this story yesterday about Khalees being really upset about being sampled on beyonce's renaissance so find out what beyonce did about it and what's popping Good morning, Beat. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. It's time for another round of What's Poppin'. Beyonce, back in the news. What's going on? Oh, Lord, I love Beyonce so much, and she's not messing around. Now, we did a story yesterday that Khalees is really upset that the song Milkshake was sampled in the new uh, on the new uh, Beyonce album, Renaissance. So, Beyonce is reportedly making a change to her recently released Renaissance album. Just days after R&B singer Khalees accused the superstar and producers, the Neptunes, of theft for sampling her 2003 hit Milkshake without notifying her, Beyonce has now removed an interpolation of the track from her song Energy on the music streaming service title. However, the sample was still available on music streaming service Spotify and Apple Music as of yesterday afternoon. Now, Energy, co-produced by Skrillex, uh, features Khalees in the songwriting and production credits. I'm sorry, it did not feature her in the songwriting and production credits. However, Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo of the Neptunes are credited. Khalees is also not credited as a songwriter or producer in 2003's Milkshake. <clears throat> okay, so you're not credited as a songwriter or producer on your the original song 20 years ago, but you then expect to be credited by somebody else two decades later? Well, listen, she went on and dragged Beyonce, Chad, Pharrell, but this is very Beyonce. She said, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. Done. We'll remove it altogether. I don't need it. And I just love that. I think it's very classy and I think it's a good way to handle it because Khalees made a big deal. Yeah. And It's not that she doesn't have some valid points. No, I thought she had a lot of valid points. Her approach was just awful. To be fair, I thought Khalees had a lot of valid points. But... 
it just goes to show when you play with the beehive that she'll just remove it all together and then it's <clears throat> no problem at all. Yeah, because you could have made a lot of money because you, you better believe you, you get a song sampled by Beyonce and all of a sudden you're getting more requests all of a sudden. People who hadn't thought of Khalees in a lot of years like, oh, you need to get her for this, book her for this event. Yeah. And she can still make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, it will play well to like that small demographic of, of people who are like supportive of Khalees as an artist and, and not... a supportive of like the behemoth artists like Beyonce. Right. So it'll play to some people, but like by and large, it's not a good look. No, it's not great. Uh, all right. Coming up in our final hour, do you ever just fake it till you make it? Just a cliche, but it might be backed by science and we'll tell you about it in the next hour. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela, Channel Q. Has anybody ever told you just to fake it till you make it? They have. A gajillion times in my career. I think we can all relate to this one. And I just got a message this morning from a friend of mine from back home who said, I feel like you can appreciate this. I uh, am currently putting on some high heels and standing in front of a mirror in my power position, telling myself I'm a boss lady, like telling myself that I'm I'm a strong, powerful woman. And that's her way of sort of faking it till she makes it in her mind. I think she's already a boss, but she's working on it. Love. We all are. Well, as it turns out, uh, science and psychology might actually have proven that faking it till you make it is a worthy, worthy uh, pathway towards actual success, right? And it's actually called by psychologists behavioral activation, Mm. meaning that uh, when you want something to happen in your life and you want something to physically change in the world around you, in your career, whatever – Starting to tell your mind that you are already there activates it and creates reality. It's sort of like another version, I think, of like manifestation. Totally. Which I know you're a huge fan of. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with this in a lot of ways. Um, I also have my own take. We talked about this a couple months ago, maybe a couple years ago. But I do think it's very important for you to believe or put yourself in that mindset I also believe, though, it's important to be honest with um, where you're at with, like, an employer or whatever. Like, I'll just say, for example, I can say to myself, like, I'm Beyonce. I'm doing this album and the video is going to be amazing and I'm getting ready to go into this album and I can have that mindset. But I think it's really important that I'm realistic with the people that I'm working with because also I had to be like, hey, babe, like, do you mind doing this as a favor for me showing up? And they're like, yes, of course, we know that you're just getting started or da-da-da-da. I feel like sometimes if you fake it till you make it in the cool Mercedes, the nice bag, people are just going to assume that you can afford that lifestyle. give off the wrong impression. So it's like a good hit or miss. Like, it's very important for you mentally to believe that, but you don't want to get in your own way to them. You don't receive the help that you may need. I think when it comes to faking it until you make it, for me, it's it's... Uh, sort of speaking into existence what you actually want for yourself, not necessarily claiming it as already yours, because there is something to that. I think that when you put out a certain image on social media or whatever, and it looks like you're just slaying the game. Yeah. You're going on fancy trips, you're riding in fancy cars, but in actuality, you're in a friend's car and you maybe just went down the street and filmed some footage right. and it looks like you're in Mexico or something, right? And it appears to people that you're just like living the best life. <clears throat> it's so funny because I looked one time like a year or two ago during the pandemic. I think my husband and I were bored 
and I looked online and it looked up AJ Gibson net worth and it said like eight million dollars or something ridiculous. Yeah. And I was like, who? First of all, who comes up with these things? Second of all, though, people in our own lives think that we're like super wealthy and super successful that we can just afford everything because we choose to spend some money on vacations from time to time and take nice ones. Yeah. And we get to go to like really fancy red carpet events sometimes and mingle with celebrities. And so they think the association puts us at the same level as them, which is cool to a degree. But if people think you're already booked and blessed, they might not want to work with you. They might think, oh, she's fine. I don't need yeah, to reach out to her. That's she's what it is. She's okay. It. Totally. Yeah. So I feel like there's just got to be a good balance. Because I'll say for myself, like I love to show up that way, but I also have to ask for a lot of help. And I would not want it to be confused as if I didn't need the help. Yeah. But I see this. I can see how it's also like makes sense in your brain waves with manifesting. Yeah, it could be aspirational. And I think that a, f- a friend of mine, when we were down in Mexico, who was a good buddy of mine, and we haven't seen each other as much in recent years, he got married and has a kid, and he's got a second one on the way. Like, life has started to roll. <clears throat> but his acting career has really taken off the last year or two. He's starting to get, like, really, like, big gigs and he's up for another project right now, and it's starting to finally happen. And it took him a lot of years, right? A lot of years to get here. And he pulled me aside at the wedding, and he's like, "Listen, I know I'm not. I wasn't going to give it. It was the day after the wedding. He's like, I'm not going to give a speech or anything. I knew I wasn't giving a speech, but I actually wrote a speech for you." He's like, "I want. I do you care if I share it with you?" And he did. And we were sitting on a bus going to an excursion to go to uh, Playa or to uh, Isla Mujeres to go out, take a boat out there, and go snorkeling and spend the day on the island. It was beautiful. And he says to me that years ago, I told him um, to stop calling himself an aspiring actor and to start claiming the title of actor. Because I said, I said, listen, you're acting. Maybe you're not getting, <clears throat> excuse me, paid $20 million a picture yet, but you're acting. Yeah. And he said, that thing changed my life. It changed my entire life, my perspective. So like those little switches really work. I love that. Well, I think it's amazing. Manifest what you want. And don't worry, you can always still ask for help as well. Now, coming up, what if you saw your parents on a dating app after they were so judgmental towards your dating? We'll talk about it next. Tell me something good. All right, all you pet lovers, you're going to love this story. A stray dog crashes a couple's wedding. And what happens next is pretty, pretty remarkable. Uh, Douglas and Tamiris were ready for their big day when they would commit to celebrating happily ever after together, right? I was just there recently. I know the feeling. It's a really incredible, incredible moment in your life. Um, And as the blushing bride arrived at the church, she noticed a wedding crasher had come by. A stray blonde dog that was mingling gently with guests, not putting paw nor tail out of place. The ceremony eventually commenced with the dog sitting down by the doorway to watch as if he knew what was happening. After it was all said and done and the two kissed, uh, the beautiful couple made their exit. That's when the dog suddenly became excited. He greeted us at the end uh, and as if to say, take me. And in that moment, they decided to adopt this stray dog. Oh, my God. That's so sweet. The dog showed up for their wedding, <laughs> sat there and watched the whole thing and said, take me home. And they did. Oh, my God. If that doesn't warm your heart, you don't have one. That's Listen, the sweetest thing. Doggies know how to find their little homes. That's so sweet. Uh, we just love animals. Love. Okay, <clears throat> I've actually known about this, but it's still so fascinating. Uh, music apparently is helping reconnect elderly patients with their memories in uh, yet another new study. 
Um, and so Psyche Louie uh, found that for older adults who listen to some of their favorite music, including the Beatles, connectivity in the brain increased. Specifically, Louie and her multidisciplinary team of music therapists, neurologists, and geriatric psychiatrists discovered that music bridged the gap between the brain's auditory system and reward system, the area that governs motivation. She said there's something about music that is this functional connectivity between the auditory and reward system and that's why music is so special and able to tap into these seemingly very general cognitive functions that are suddenly very engaged in folks with dementia who are hearing music it's so true though if you hear a song even from your childhood it instantly takes you back to a really great memory or a not so great memory um i remember even we would play all the old songs my grandma would in her car and she would tell me all about like what that song meant when she was younger. I just feel like music has the best kind of neuro waves and it totally makes sense. We spent a whole year planning our wedding and the florals and the dinner and the flatware and like all the, the little surprises. And that was all fun. But the part that got us emotional was choosing the songs. Yes. Choosing the songs that meant something to us, that meant something to our grandparents and our parents. That was the emotional part of the show or of the, of the show of the wedding, which also was a show. Um, so I totally I totally relate to this one. Yeah. All right, well, that's the end of our show this morning. We have a great show for you tomorrow as we head into the weekend. But for now, stick around for three hours of curated music just for you. And then let's go there with Shira and Ryan. End your day with Loveline with Dr. Chris. We'll see you tomorrow.